Ave Maria Mutual Funds, seeking the moral high ground for 20 years. Pro-life, pro-family, and Catholic values have guided us to the top. Covenant Eyes has been the number one trusted software for over 23 years for Christians seeking to live a porn-free life. Victory by Covenant Eyes is a powerful tool that helps Christians who are serious and want to quit porn for good or never start. The Victory app offers powerful built-in accountability features and optional blocking technology, making it an unparalleled tool in the fight to live a porn-free life. So what are you waiting for? Anyone can get started on their path to recovery for free by visiting www.covenanteyes.com and enter the promo code PODCAST for 14 days free or by clicking the link in the show notes today. Hello and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I am super pumped to have you listening with us today. There is so much stuff going on in the world, and are you confused and a bit fearful about the issues that you're experiencing and, and what's going on in our church and our culture? Well, I hope this podcast will clear some things up for you. Believe me, there's hope out there. Please make sure that you subscribe and follow us right now. Go ahead, go do it. Subscribe, hit that button, and engage with us. Also, forward this link to as many people as possible because the more people that know about us, the more people we can help. We're available on all podcast platforms. Prayerfully consider going to our donation page and supporting this work. We need your support. You can go to arrayofhope.org and navigate to our donation page. We are a 501c3 non-for-profit organization, so any and all donations are tax-deductible. Today, our guest is Raymond Arroyo. He is a New York Times best-selling author and an internationally known award-winning journalist and broadcaster, singer, and producer. This guy does everything, extremely talented. He is the managing editor and lead anchor for EWTN News. He is seen in more than 350 million homes on six continents each week with his show, The World Over Live, which airs from Washington, D.C. each week. He has authored the very popular Will Wilder series, which are awesome kid books. He also presents the Seen and Unseen segment on Fox News Channel's The Ingram Angle. Here's Raymond Arroyo. All right, we did it. Raymond, how are you? How's everything? How are you? Great to see you, Mario. Great to see you, too. It's been a while. Uh, last time I think yes. we actually were together was at an Array of Hope event, which you were so gracious to be at. And Yes, that uh, was fun. It was I remember. Great. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. Uh, you are one busy dude. You're like the hardest working guy in Catholic media. I mean, every, everywhere I go, you're on, you're on television, you know, and uh, so it's exciting. You're, you're really doing well. God bless well, you. Well, it's the penitential aspect of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to spread that, that uh, devotion, Mario. I know you have a uh, limited time and thank you so much for squeezing us in. And I, I have a lot sure. of questions I want to ask you and, and, okay. and, and forgive me. I, I want to go back a little bit. I want to go a little bit back as to when you started and I know okay. you, you have a very interesting background. Um, so you kind of started, well, you're a music guy, you know, and you, you were involved in theater and, and, and music, and maybe you could share a little bit about your, you know, your, your background there. Well, I, I was, I was trained as an actor in New York, um, studied with Stella Adler, who was a great 
acting, uh, one of the apostles of American acting in the theater. Um, I directed, I acted, I did musicals after that. And then I kind of segued into journalism because I was so bored with <laughs> the the repetitive nature of being in a show. Mm. It's so set. It's so definite. There's very little room to operate, you know, or, or innovate. And once you've done, look, for me, once you've done three weeks of a show, you kind of have all your moves. You know what you're going to do. You know the varieties that you can pull out of the character or different interpretations of the line. And yes, things happen and you can keep it fresh. But for me, after that time, I kind of I, I I lost intellectual interest, so mm-hmm. uh, I segued out and look here I am back doing a Christmas album and on the road. But it's very different. It's your show. You can bend things and change them and open some numbers up. I do some numbers at one place. I won't do it another. Mm-hmm. So um, yes. I, I like the flexibility and the variety of that. So when you were acting, you did like you did drama and and Broadway that kind of stuff. So you sat. I did Shakespeare. I did Moliere. Musical theater in in London and New York. Wow, good Um, for you. And then and musicals in between. Yeah, that's that's great. And then um, I mean, I, I you know. I do see that when you're broadcasting, you, you're very dramatic and you use a lot of expression. And that's good. That adds a whole element of of uh, excitement to when you're interviewing people. It really, you could see it yeah. come through. Um, let's go. You learn a lot from performance. Yeah, you yeah. You, you know, you learn most of all um, when you're dealing. I mean, it's a, and it's a critical thing in, in any kind of performance when you're working with another person. It's that it's that. Um, that sense of opposites, that balance that you need. So if your partner is very demonstrative and they're really out there and they're giving you a lot of energy, you pull way back. Mm-hmm. You pull way back and you let them kind of breathe. And then when they're when they're on the you know downslope, you need to you need to bring the energy to 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 balance that out and lift it up. But that kind of duality, that sort of um complementarity, you only really learn once you've you know, you've done it a long time or you've, yeah. or you've, you know, you've done it in different genres and you bleed and things bleed back and forth. Things I've, I've learned from television. I bring to the, to the live performance and things mm-hmm. I learn in live performance, I bring to TV. So it's learning how to modulate and use both of them. Well, you're a consummate interviewer. I love it. I love, love watching you. Um, so I want to go back a little bit to uh, your Catholic faith. Uh, were you a cradle Catholic? Were you always Catholic? And yeah, well, I grew up in New Orleans. I mean, when you're in New Orleans, the Protestants are Catholic in New Orleans. Um, <laughs> you, you can't escape it. You know, we we have so many evocative festivals and colorful uh, communal events, and our food. You know, the the uh, I did a thing called Christmas Time in New Orleans for PBS a few years ago. And it was really about how the food of New Orleans and the music of New Orleans is really just an outgrowth of, of, of a topping over, if you will, of the nine different nationalities that are, are you know, occupy this little tiny bit of earth. And the German and the French and the African-American and the, and the, and the uh, Spanish and the uh, Italian and the Irish, um, the, the French, when you bring all of those cultures together, and you lock them into a little place and there's intermarriage and sharing of recipes and musical tastes and musical notes and approaches, it creates something completely new. And whether it's gumbo or or red beans and rice or coffee and chicory or our jazz, uh, all of that is the same thing. So, and, and it's all an outgrowth of faith in some ways. Um, and And when you watch that, you can't help but be Catholic and remain Catholic because 
it's in the air. I mean, mm. it haunts you. So even people I know who aren't Catholic at all, they're swept up in the rhythm of the church. And that's one of the lovely things about New Orleans. And there are many things that are not so lovely, crime and other things. But one of the beauties of the city is that liturgical rhythm you, you, that every, no one can escape. Even the visitors are caught up in it. Mm. You know, um, whether it's the, the preparation for, for Lent, Mardi Gras, uh, or Advent, you know, we have beautiful caroling in, the, in Jackson Square, and they have concerts every night at the cathedral. Um, they're kind of things that mark the year for us. And they are inevitably tied to liturgical feasts and festivals. And, and that's uh, church. I always say, you know, in New Orleans, in other places, evil hides and so does good. Mm-hmm. But in New Orleans, the sacred and the profane dance right out in public in very bold <laughs> ways. You can't miss either. Wow. And that's, I, I prefer it that way. I hate going to places where everything's behind closed doors. Nobody talks of faith. Nobody talks of evil, but it's all there. Mm-hmm. You, get the, you get the effects. You don't get any of the lead in or lead up. I've been to New Orleans maybe once or twice. It is a very lively city, very mm-hmm. active. Um, yeah. I, I want so. When was the merging between your faith and EWTN and meeting Mother Angelica? And by the way, I've been reading uh, your books. Uh, they are just great. There, I, I, I love you. you know. Uh, I love. I just picked up her book of her sayings, which mm. I hadn't read. Uh, the little book of life lessons. Yeah, right on, right here. Yeah, yeah. man, I just brought it, it up. I've been reading that, and uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, she was so prolific. So. Uh, I'm asking a bunch of questions here at the same time. So I want. So when did your broadcasting desire and EWTN merge? And I know that you worked. You were. You, you did this whole. You interviewed Mother Angelica for two years, which is a whole nother question. So you get where I'm going at. I'm trying yeah. to understand that. Yeah. yeah. That well, I'll time. give you the quick background. The quick. Yeah. The quick background is. Uh, I. I was. I was in journalism before I came to EWTN. Right. Um, I, I was. I, I worked for the Associated Press. I worked for Bob Novak. Um, helped shape his column at the Washington Post, um, helped produce for him at Crossfire when he was there. I was a Capitol Hill correspondent for the Family Channel. And then uh, a friend of mine asked me to write an article about Mother Angelica. That's how we met. Um, She asked me to start the news division for her. I initially told her no. I did not want to move to Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, She wore me down. I won't get into that whole story, but it's a great one. And um, we became very close, you know, meeting her, uh, mother, mother was obviously an Italian, a Calabrese. Uh, I'm half Sicilian, so I, I hey. understood that part of her. You know, I understood the the uh, her her sensibility, her cultural roots, how she kind of saw the world, um, and so we were very close. I mean, we were we were friends. She was like a grandmother to me in many ways, and I approached her about writing her biography in 1999. Believe it or not. And she agreed to cooperate, and we and for almost three years we did interviews uh, every several times a week, and then weekends for eight hours at a stretch. Uh, and the fruit of that was not only the biography and the sequel, which fewer people are aware of, but um, I did a sequel to the biography called mm. "Her Grand Silence" about the last years of her life, the last sixteen years. And that may be more compelling and more interesting to me, anyway, than the original biography. What was it? So, what were the early years at EWTN doing the news program there? What was it? What was it like for you? Was it exhilarating? I mean, you're you're really emerging your Catholic faith with, mm. you know, your professional career. What was that well, like? Well, I don't. You see, 
I, 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 and I ask this question often too, Mario, so I'm not getting on you for asking it. I just asked it of a friend of mine on air the other day. But um, I don't think, the, 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 you know, the faith is not something I keep in a bottle on a shelf and then use when it serves me. No, your, your faith is just who you are. It's like blood. It's like breath. It's like life. So inevitably, if you believe something, it's going to have an effect and shape what you do. Um, I push away and have always for 20 seven years at EW10, 28 years, um, I've always rejected the idea of, and I don't, I never go by Catholic journalists. I'm not a Catholic journalist. I'm a journalist who's Catholic. Right on. Because that thing has very loaded connotations for me anyway. Um, So no, you want the work to stand on its own. It has to be credible, exciting, insightful. You have to hold an audience. And if you can't do all those things, you really can't you know, do the work. Right. So, I mean, look, my, my father had a mechanic shop for years. Nobody ever called him a Catholic mechanic, but he was very faithful. He was good to his people. He had a full house. He couldn't fix all the cars he had because he was really good at what he did. Hmm. So I would rather somebody be a great, be, be great at what you, you're at, do it well, do it with integrity and a, and a moral sense and serve the common good. That's being, uh, you know, a, 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 a Catholic, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that moniker oftentimes is used to condone mediocrity. That I don't like, right. that I hate, actually. You know, um, and I, I, you're just what you are. You're either an author or a cook or a mechanic or a legal secretary, um, but to, to put the Catholic in front of it, don't, don't bring the church into your success or your mediocrity. It, it's either there or it isn't. You know, what you do sure. is what you do. Um, and yes, of course, the faith informs that. Or for bad Catholics, it doesn't inform it at all. And some of them call themselves Catholic whatever, too. Uh, so I, I, I blanch a bit at that. I always have kind of recoiled at that moniker. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, it, it's not applicable. Yeah. People will know who you are through your work and by the fruit of that work. I, don't, I, I guess I guess what I mean is like, I, I was in the secular space for many, many years, and then I formed a ray of hope. And what it gave me is that since my work is in mm-hmm. a way or indirectly or directly serving the church and glorifying the church, mm-hmm. it gives me a, a great sense of purpose. It gives me a great sense yes. that not only am I doing something professionally at the highest quality, which is what you mm-hmm. do, but you yeah. are serving the church and glorifying the church. I guess that's what that was the point of my my question in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, there's got to be a sense of fulfillment that, okay— good and faithful servant because I'm doing what yeah. the Lord has asked yeah. me to do. It's my vocation. So, Well, I, look, in my, in my case, my mother, Angelica, when, when we started EWTN News all those years ago, she gave me a very simple charge. She said, follow the truth wherever it leads, mm. and you will have the freedom to tell the truth here, but follow the truth wherever it leads. And I saw and watched her and the suffering she went through and the torture she underwent to tell that truth. Um, and Look, I've been subjected to them in my own time. Uh, it was a great lesson to watch her and how she dealt with that. Because, yeah, um, there is a cost. and um, But, yeah, th- th- that's what we're called to do. That's the mission. So we do it. We continue doing it. Amen. But um, I-, I don't, you know, I- I- to-, to me, it's just, you have to do, you glorify God by doing a good job and using the gifts he gave you. Advertising and branding it that way is not, to me, mm-hmm. all that important. Well, you said a couple of things here that uh, resonate for me. You said, you know, just say the truth. And it seems that uh, there's there's uh, there's an aisle that's divided and there's, 
even within the Catholic Church, there's people that believe to be one truth and another side yeah. of the church that believes to be another. And uh, we've had, you know, Father Gerald Murray on here as well, and I shared, discussed this with him as well. And I love your show, The Papal Posse. And uh, I, I, um, so uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in our church. There's, it's very divisive. And I know that today is, is, is the aftermath of a, an announcement that happened most recently in the Pope. And so you're dealing with this stuff all the time. Uh, we're dealing it almost as a trying to ref, deflect as an evangelization organization yeah. to try to still proclaim the truths of the church in a way that is relevant and meaningful, but there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of mm. distractions. So, yeah. and I, 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 I think I know where you stand on a lot of that. You seem to be very conservative in, in your thinking of the church based on your interviews. So how does it feel? What do you, what do you think's going, how does it feel for you being in, in the middle of all this? Uh, what is your assessment of what's going on in the church? Well, this is why I write children's books. <laughs> I tell stories and I record Christmas albums. Amen. No, and I mean that yeah, with, with complete, not as a joke. No, I understand um, why. It keeps me sane. Right. It helps me do what I think we're, I'm really called to do, which is uplift people, unite people mm. and, and, and help them help them find the truth. Yeah, you know, in their own way, um, through whatever vehicle it might be. So, I, look, I have to report on this. You know, I have to report on murders and 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 guys doing unspeakable things in Senate hearing rooms. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, I I don't want to get into letter and verse of it all because it is, it, it's you know, I, it, there are days where I feel like uh, a guy I once knew who was a vice cop. He was a detective in the New Orleans Police Department. And at the end of the day, he would come home because he was working vice. Um, any, any body that turned up, they had, he had to go. And in New Orleans, you have to actually go to the coroner's office and watch the, the, you know, the uh, autopsy. The, the, the investigating detective has to be present. Wow. I sometimes feel like that investigating detective. And he said, I would come home and my clothes so reeked of, you know, post-autopsy, I won't get into the details of it, but he would literally take his clothes off before he entered the house. He had a bin outside where he would put them and he'd just take them to the cleaners. That's how I sometimes feel what I should be doing after covering so much of this stuff inside and outside the church. Um, it's ugly, it's disgusting, it's horrible. I wish in many, there are many, many days, I wish I didn't have to do it um, because it... Um, I know it's confusing to people. It's confusing to me. It's divisive. It's ugly. It's, uh, I think, in some ways, it's against the truth, polar opposite to, um, I think, what Christ is and what he called us to. Mm. Um, but ultimately, that's not my call to make. My right. call is only to ask the right questions, and that's all we do, ask the right questions, and hold ourselves to a standard that considers the context of everything. The sun didn't just come up yesterday, it's, and the church hasn't just appeared on the map today. So we have a 2,000-year tradition that things have to be in continuity of or break the continuity of. And I sadly have to be the investigating detective who points that out and conducts the autopsy. So um, mm. that's how I feel about it. I, 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 to be blunt, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you, Mario, I, I find joy in my family, my friends, and the stories I get to tell, um, you know, outside of the reporting that I have to do. 
That's the, the duty, but it's not where I find my joy. I'll just be blunt with you. Ave Maria Mutual Funds is an industry leader in morally responsible investing. Launched in 2001, their six funds adhere to strong pro-life and pro-family values. Match your investments to your moral beliefs. Call Ave Maria Mutual Funds today. Toll free 1-866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. The advisor invests in securities only if they meet the fund's investment and religious requirements, and as such, the return may be lower or higher than if the advisor made decisions based solely on investment considerations. The fund's method of security selection may or may not be successful, and the fund may underperform or outperform the stock market as a whole. All mutual funds are subject to market risk, including possible loss of principal. For a prospectus, which includes objectives, risks, fees, charges, expenses, and other information that should be read and considered carefully before investing, Call 1-866-AVE-MARIA. That's 1-866-283-6274 or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Distributed by Ultimus Fund Distributors, LLC. Did you know there's a secret sin waging war against the souls of men, women, and children in this country? It's pornography. Just look at these staggering facts. Did you know 56% of divorces state pornography use as a major factor leading to divorce? 90% of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography online, most while doing homework. We lock our doors and windows every night to keep the bad guys out and protect families, but unfortunately, the Trojan horse is already inside our homes. Our technology brings the enemy into our homes, our marriages, and he has direct access to our children. What are you doing to stop this? The good news is you have an ally in this battle. It's Covenant Eyes. Victory by Covenant Eyes Software fosters online integrity through relationships centered around accountability. Covenant Eyes believes parents need to train their children how to navigate technology and has filtering to protect and block the bad content on their devices. Take action today. Get Covenant Eyes, www.covenanteyes.com and use promo code podcast for 14 days free. So if you're wondering how you can help this ministry, rating and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help others hear it, as well as sharing it with your friends and your family. So join us in this mission by rating, reviewing, or sharing this episode with someone you think needs to hear it. And we want to thank you for your continued support of A Reason for Hope podcast. Now, it's funny, you actually read my mind. I was going to ask you, where is the hope? Where is the joy? And you kind of said it. I mean, uh, you said it before I asked it. I mean, the hope is... The, the, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is still in, in control, right? It's his church and and it's going through its passion, but to find the gifts that we've been received, your family, your, you yeah. know, the the many things that bring you joy. I love the idea that you, essentially your, your books and your music, not that it's your hobby, but it's a distraction from mm. stuff that really couldn't distract you. And, and, and well, what, it's where my heart lives. It's where my heart lives. You know, you. I, I protect my heart from the rest of this because it's, again, it, it's it's in the way that these detectives, um, look, I mean, it's interesting. I, I they, they, they shared that kind of how they compartmentalize the horrors they had to see during the day and their daily lives. Now, look, there's bleed over, you know, um, in both cases, but, and, and, and there are times I wish there weren't, but there is. Um, but, yeah, you try to keep, you try to tell the truth no matter where you are. I mean, that's the real goal, whether I'm telling stories fictional or otherwise, or doing music, you, you have to be true in that moment. You have mm -hmm. to be true. Um, and so that's that's what I'm trying to do. And I do find joy in that. I do. Yeah. 
Um, watching kids' faces light up or recognition or they, they hear a bit of history or a story they've never heard before and it changes them, um, that's, that's really gratifying. Or, or when, a, when an audience, you know, explodes with joy over something you've just sung and, and you've got, you know, 20 pieces behind you. That's, that's exciting and that's a joy too. That's a thrill. Yeah. I, uh, I listened to some of that music. It's kicking, man. It's really, really yeah. good. You, you, you sing really well. And uh, Thank you. Uh, the arrangements, I forgot the arranger that did a lot. Kevin I, Costa. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, have you done anything like that outside of, have you done like just regular jazz records or standard records before? No. Uh, I, I wanted the first album to be Christmas because okay. I love Christmas music so much. Um, it is, and, and it's rich. There's a lot of territory there to explore. Um, the backstories, the origin stories, what these songs really mean as opposed to what we think they mean over time. Uh, that was cool to kind of re resituate them and reframe them in a new context, big band, but uh, to, to re rekindle the excitement of some of these Christmas hymns that I think had lost their punch. And in doing, we've lost the meaning. We've mm -hmm. lost the power of those words and what they were meant to convey in awesome. the first place. So the, the album really was my effort to do that, to re-energize and rediscover these Christmas classics. A lot of singers, and I have to say this, um, a lot of singers sing along, whether they're doing Christmas songs or they're doing any other songs, they sing along. My favorite singers always intentionally sang and bent everything, their performance, the orchestration, their approach, the breath, you bend it to that particular song. You serve the song. In the same way I have to serve a story as a journalist, um, you don't just kind of read it, you know, by rote because it's in the teleprompter. That's not your job. Right. Your job is to serve that story. Sometimes it's a light story, sometimes it's a dark story, and depending on it, you have to accommodate that. Yeah. It's the same way with music. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to find... Um, the proper approach with my instrument mm -hmm. in conveying that song. What can yeah. you do unique with it? What, yeah. What's your particular point of view? Yeah. And uh, that's what Mary and Bright, the Christmas album, was all about. Well, I would encourage you to do something outside of Christmas as well. I mean, uh, you're you're basically saying your inter your interpretation of the style of the music yeah. is distinctive to you. I mean. Sinatra yeah. was uh, a classic at that, you know, Tony Bennett. Well, I yeah, look, I saw Frank Sinatra 30 times in concert. I was a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge Sinatra fan, wow. boy, I'll just tell you right out. Nice. Um, and, you know, I saw Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughan, and I mean, incredible singers. Keely Smith, whom I knew, Johnny Mathis. Um, you know, th th some of these people I knew personally. So when you see Mount Olympus like that, the worst thing you can do, and I see this a lot, Young performers see that, they hear Sinatra or they hear Dean Martin and they imitate them. Right, right. They really are imitating right, them right, or right. they use their own their arrangements, which is the worst thing you can do. Yeah. That would be like me getting Frank Sinatra's suits and trying <laughs> to wear his suits on air. And now I'm, you know, look, I'm Frank Sinatra. No, you're not. Yeah. You're you. Right. You have to be you. Right. And uh, I figured that out pretty early on. You, yeah. you can't be that. You'll never be that. Right. He did his own thing. He... He had his own gifts and you have your own. Right. Um, but look, there are things you certainly take from those examples. Most notably in my in my case, I mean, with Sinatra, his phrasing, his showmanship, um, his his devotion, devotion to the song. He never phoned it in. He never sang along. Yeah. And I could name a couple of other singers who just sing along. You know, they just na 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 na. You know, right. they kind of 
They sing along. Sinatra never sang along. You felt it was coming from a deep place in him, and he was he had a he had a point of view and a conviction about it. Yeah, it was real for him. He was yeah. an actor. Yeah. Nobody acted through song right. the way right. Sinatra did. There may be two people: Sinatra and Judy Garland, the greatest interpreters of song, and I think the greatest actors of music, maybe Amen. in American life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I saw him a couple times. He was much older, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think young musicians don't realize, especially the Capitol years in the '60s when he recorded mm. those with Nelson Riddle. I mean, those were live records in a studio. Yeah. The thing was live, no overdubs. It's astounding. Yeah. Just uh, the the musicianship, and like you said, the phrasing that he had was just. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, well, Mario, I mean, I, we did that with our album. You know, I, I wanted, originally we were going to record the band. Because look, it's I saw that in the videos. Pieces. You recorded everything live. That was awesome. We did it. Yeah, we did it in studio because you need that. Well, I I, I wrestled with doing it because, I mean, it's yeah, I get it. It's easier and cheaper to kind of record the tracks and go away and then come do it in the studio later. But what you're deprived of is the musical conversation with yeah, the guys right you're on. playing with. Right on. And they, they start bending things and moving in one direction. You got to go with them. Yeah. And when you're in the room with them, it's easier to ride that wave, I think, right. than doing it in yeah, a booth. Yeah. I got a question. So you, you've interviewed a plethora of great men and, and women. So is there anyone that stands out that you said, you know, this guy's holy or a cardinal mm-hmm. or a bishop that, you know what? Thank God that he's in our church. Anyone that comes to mind that you could share that our audience could be inspired by their witness or, or you know, re- their commitment to the to the yeah to no the church. no I, I mean tons of them all of them I mean so many um, you know uh, uh, Jenny Stepanek who is Maddie Stepanek's mother a woman suffering with uh, you know muscular um, um, a very a particular strain of muscular dystrophy she was a saint she is a saintly woman her son was a saintly kid. Um, who, through all of that disability, I think, made them more inclined toward God. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they could hear him more clearly because they were listening. Um, uh, Cardinal Von Puan, who I interviewed, who was in an internment, you know, a, a, a prison um, for many, many years. And he, they would bring him little pellets of bread and, and drop of wine, which they said was his medication. Uh, you know, people would smuggle it in. That's how he said mass in literally what he called the chalice of his hand. And I've never forgotten that, you know, those examples. Of course, I knew Pope Benedict. I knew John Paul II personally. Wow. Interviewed, did the only interview with, with Benedict XVI in English. Um, and he was a very humble, sweet, dear, holy man. Um, and, and had a kind of wry, uh, uh, brilliant sense of humor that I appreciated. And mm. my pal, Jerry Lewis, I love Jerry. I love Mel Gibson, mm. um, who I interviewed many times, uh, geniuses. I mean, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, but what they gave us through cinema, um, and through their, their performances is, you know, again, using gifts for a higher and greater purpose, the glory of God. Ultimately, how did it happen with Fox News and Laura England? That whole connection. Uh, Laura and I did radio for a number of years together, um, and then they asked us to do the 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 Ingram Angle, and um, I, she, and I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And uh, she first, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's been great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's different, you know. That's a different. That's a different um, uh, audience. A different. Um, the contribution I make there. Um, you know, I try to keep things lighter because I think the world is too heavy. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, it's you're, all too you're, much. You're a good little combo together. It's it's fun watching. Yeah, we have you a good goes, time. Uh, I, I forget 
you kind of did like a comedic bit too uh, a couple of years ago. Was it? I forget what that was. It was. Uh, mm -hmm. you, yeah, it was a. It was a take on the Abbott and Costello thing. It's a thing that. Oh, the, that's right. Right. The kids still stop me in the airport about. Uh, I get. I get. Uh, you know, kids who come up. Are you the you guy? It was a take on. It was really our retake of Abbott and Costello. I mean, I, we wrote it. It was scripted. Yeah. Um, and it, but it was a little back and forth, playing off the show you. And, you know, did you, did you see you? Well, of course I saw me. I'm here. No, no, no. Did you, you see <laughs> you, cute. the show you? Yeah. Uh, what show? I'm the same one, no matter where I am. No, no, no. The show you on Netflix. I've never been on Netflix. What are you talking <laughs> about? So we played it back and forth and that thing exploded. Um, so fun. That's good. Uh, I have a couple of, of uh, young people, parents that love the, the Will Wilder books that you've written. Ah. So uh, I, I have to apologize. I've never read one myself but or shame mario I, I, i'm sorry although i have there's I a new year coming you it's can a new read year it i'll grab a couple and read them to my grandkids say hey, there you go you should i will they're fun stories so uh they asked me to ask you do you have any new ones coming up are you working on any other things or i am i am working on book four i get so many letters about this and when i'm on tour this time i've gotten <laughs> irate children coming up to me saying what happens to aunt lucille you have to tell us um, there was a big cliffhanger at the end of the last book. Um, I am working on book four and five. Uh, they are very difficult books to write because though I write them for um, younger audiences, they're actually, you know, I've always subscribed to the L. Frank Baum line, which is um, I write for the young and the young at heart. But I'm really, th those books are filled with things that only adults will see. And then there, there are bits of that story that only a child can enjoy. But the ride in the foreground that the kids are enjoying is one ride. There's another in the background, which you have to kind of grow a little older to really fully appreciate. Uh, but they're great stories. I love Will. I love Perilous Falls and that whole world. And I will return to it. I just, between the picture books and the album and, uh -huh, yeah, yeah. and the news, it's been... It's been a lot. So I, I and I write all my books and do everything myself. I don't have ghostwriters. I don't I need that's what I need to do. I need to hire a team of ghostwriters and let them just write this stuff and I'll edit it. That would be a lot easier. But you know what I think you lose the you lose the personal touch. Well, that you lose the yeah, the that, um particular worldview that I think only you can bring. And my thinking is by the time I rewrite or edit what somebody else has written, I may as well write it myself. So that's what I do. Yeah, it wouldn't be you. It'd be someone else's Well, you'd be surprised at the number of people I yeah. know who. <laughs> what, you, you they just, you know, there's some other guy writes it and they put their picture on it. And then they're out talking about the yeah. book. Oh, you, you not, my, not my jam. Uh, you mentioned picture book. What's what's a what's your what's a picture book? Did what's you? the picture book? I have a um I well, I have one of the best selling Christmas books. Uh, the spider who so, saved Christmas, and the wise man who found Christmas was on the New York Times list for seven weeks. The spider book. Um, and then I have a new series out from Harper Collins, which is called Turnabout Tales. And Turnabout Tales are young, great lives in at a moment of crisis when they were told they couldn't do something or they had a huge failure. And, uh, well, the motto of the series is challenges faced, decisions made, history turned. Mm. And it's how, I'll give you the first, the first book was about Thomas Edison. Uh, Edison was thrown out of school in at eight years old, told he couldn't be taught. He was an idiot. His mother took him home and homeschooled him and fed his passion, allowed him to tinker and make mistakes and blow things up and burn down barns. And he became, through that, the greatest 
inventor of all time, using and creating many of the things we're using now, lights, the microphone, all these things are Edison's. And that was the end of his formal training and, and book learning, if you will, in a school setting at eight years old. So you want to give kids hope and you want to show them, look, obstacles, even challenges are not the end of your journey. They're sometimes the beginning of your journey. Mm. And that's what that series is about. Why, why are they called picture books? I don't call any, I don't really call them picture books. I call them family reads. Oh, But uh, if picture books, I, uh, to me, the picture is not limited to any age group. They are family reads because primarily grandparents, parents, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, they read to the child and the child reads to them. Gotcha. So that's the experience I wanted. And that's why we use the format of a picture book. Oh, I but they too are not really for little tiny kids. They're really for everybody. Yeah. And you're going to get different things from them. That's uh, awesome. We have a recent book on Tad Lincoln that just came out this year, which is really cool, about the relationship between Abraham Lincoln and Tad Lincoln and how together they created a national uh, holiday tradition that we continue to, to this moment. It's called The Magnificent Mischief of Tad Lincoln. It's a sweet book. Well, it looks like we covered a lot of stuff that you're doing. Is there anything new on the horizon that you want to share with us and our viewers that uh, you, you Oh, sleep. I hope to get some sleep in the new year, a little <laughs> rest uh, in between the thunderclaps. Uh, no, it's been good. Look, you, you, I'm only happy when I'm doing multiple things. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm a storyteller that craves variety. And they're, they're, whether I'm singing, whether I'm, I'm doing a report, whether I'm writing a book, book for young adults or, or, or adults, to me, it's all the same thing. It comes from the same place, which is you're telling the truth and you're trying to do it in a winsome, fun, engaging way that will reach different audiences. So as long as I'm doing that, I'm happy. You're good. I sleep well. I just don't sleep often. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, listen, Raymond, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. It has been a pleasure, you know, catching up with you. And God thank bless you. you and your family and, and all your endeavors. Thank you, Mario. God bless you. So glad that you joined us today for this podcast. I want to remind you, please share this podcast with as many people as possible. The more people hear it, the more our Lord can heal and save. Stay connected by following us on your favorite social media platform at R4H Podcast. That is the letter R, the number four, and the letter H Podcast. You could also check us out on YouTube with the same calling handles, R4H Podcast, where you can kind of see what we look like and, and see the video version of our podcast. So remember, in a world where things can be dark, Christ is the light, and there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next week, peace.